0: The Lord say so, those who the Lord He have redeemed. Welcome to our Sunday Sunday Worship Service here at New Direction Bible Fellowship. Where our mission is to make disciples that make disciples through the life-changing word of God under the spiritual leadership and teaching of our senior pastor, Tony H. Benson. So please press share or start a watch party that others may be blessed by the word of God this morning that will be shared by Pastor Tony as he continue his series. Level up in your marriage. You don't want to miss that. We also invite you to find us on social media. Follow us on social media as well as our church website, www.ndbf.church, for important information from our pastor and leadership. Also, the exciting opportunity to partner with us in ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Right now, I have a couple of announcements to make. First announcement, Unite Youth Sunday is approaching. Join us Sunday, May 30th at 10 a.m. to celebrate our youth and young adults. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you to all who joined the One uh, Marriage Ministry virtual event last night. Stay tuned for more events to come that will enrich your marriage, amen? In-person worship is now in effect here at New Direction. Please call, though, but please call the church at 302-654-2700 or email info at newdirection.org to register. Registration is required to attend to ensure the safety of all who enter the building. Hallelujah. The New Direction digital church platform is here. Remain engaged as we continue to launch a more innovative worship experience that will serve as a hybrid of in-person live streaming and that will increase our reverence, impact, and effectiveness as a ministry. Hallelujah. Also, we have, again, we will will be celebrating our high school and college grads on May 30th with a drive around in the church parking lot at 1230. We are excited to be able to shower them with our present, our love, and our gifts. This has been another unconventional year of education, and we want to celebrate this monumental achievement, amen? Our high school graduates are Elliot, Alicia Miller, Isaiah Miller, Isaiah Myers, and Jalen Ward. Our college grad is Morgan Harrell, Please mark your calendars and plan to be in attendance. It will bless them tremendously. So don't forget, please, we're gonna do a drive-through here. We wanna bless these kids, these young people, amen? Hallelujah. We also have a card here from Sister Virginia Benson. Hallelujah. And it reads, to New Direction Bible Fellowship, the greatest comfort during our sorrow was the expression of sympathy conveyed to us in many ways. We deeply appreciate your thoughts, Fullness, and we uh, thank you, thank you sincerely. Hallelujah! From Sister Virginia Benson and family. Listen, we want to continue to keep the family up in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. And a special shout out to uh, the weeping preacher, uh, Minister Rob, and Sister T for their anniversary, 18th anniversary today. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. At this time, we invite you to join us at giving, which according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 to 15, is a spiritual sign of worship. Hallelujah. And our entire reading will be coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6. And it reads: But this I say, who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who sow bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he gives. Proth- purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, or of the necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. We have three options to give in. You can mail your tithes and offerings to P.O. Box 687 Middletown, Delaware 19709. The second option, giving, you can give your giving by web bill pay on our church website www.ndbf.org church, hallelujah, as well as physically dropping off your giving at our Wilmington location, 103B Rogers Road. But please, before you drop, call us. We want to be able to receive you. And the number is 302-654-2700. i want to say it once again. The number is 302-654-2700. Let us pray for the offering. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We glorify you. We thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you are doing. And, Lord, we come right now and we present our offering to you, our tithe to you, O God, for the uplifting and building of your kingdom. And, Lord, we thank you that we're able to come with this, O God, for you have provided it for us, O God. And, Father, we pray for those who have not to give, that want to give, that you will bless them for the next time, O oh God, that they will be able to give. Bless those who are given, O oh God. And, Lord, we pray that you will multiply, and, Lord God, and, and, and you will be blessed by this, O oh God. So, Father, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We also beseech your prayers and giving as we look to build a house for God. In Middletown, Delaware that will allow us to minister to families through our Family Life Center, hallelujah, and educate and empower men and women through our biblical Economy. Come on now, hallelujah. We also wanna build our after-school learning program for our youth so they can have a place to come, amen, where they could be uh, under the word of God, also relax and study this stuff, amen. Again, I welcome you and pray that the life-changing word of God that goes forth this morning will inspire you to reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Our sermon, our scripture will be coming from 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 1 to 7. And it reads, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband, that even and some if some do not obey the word, they without a word, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chastity conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, weaving gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be hidden personal of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves with being submissive to their own husband. As As Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord, whose daughter you are if you do good and not afraid with any terror. Husband, likewise, Draw with them with understanding. Give it honor to the wives as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify you this morning, O God, for you are worthy. There is none like you, O God, No will there ever be, O God, and, Father, we come to your throne of mercy and grace boldly, O oh God, but with humble hearts. And we say, O oh God, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for what you are doing, and thank you for what you will do, O oh God. And, Father God, we give you praise and glory, O oh God. Lord, we pray right now for our pastor, Pastor Benson, oh God, that, Lord God, the word that you planted in him, O oh God, for th- such a time as this, O oh God, that, Lord, that it would be powerful and it would be enriched. And, and, Lord, God, it would come up like a bubbling brook, oh God. That, Father, we pray right now for a special anointing upon him, O oh God. That, Lord, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Lord, if there be anything that troubles him in his heart, that you will remove it, O oh God. And give him liberty to speak, O oh God. That, Lord, God, as he decreases, that you would increase, O oh God. We pray, O God, by the preaching of that word, O God, that, Lord, it will go out from the four walls, O God, out into the streets, O God. That, Lord, that they may hear, O God, that, Lord, as the word is preached, that we will receive it, O God. Not only receive it, but retain it. And not only retain it, but apply it, O God. And, Father, we pray for those who don't know you, as they hear the word of God, that it will prick their hearts, O God. That, Lord, it will open their hearts, O God, and they will fall to their knees and cry out, what must I do to be saved? Father, we pray that right now. We pray for those who walked away, O God, that, Lord, they will be convicted and come back, O God, to you, O God, in the name of Jesus, Father. We pray for those who are bound up, shackled up, O God, those who are afflicted, O God, those who are sick, O God, those who are downcast, O God, those who are hopeless, O God, those who are faithless, O God. That, Father God, from the word, of God, that, Lord, they will be set free, oh God. They will be healed, oh God. They will rise up, oh God, in the name of Jesus, Father. Lord God, we pray right now for our community, oh God, for the violence that's going on, God, that you will interject, oh God, that you, oh God, will step in, oh God, that you will put a heart to it, oh God, in the name of Jesus, Father God. We pray for the government, oh God, that, Lord, we pray for wisdom, That, Father, God, that you will convict them, oh God, that they will look to the hills, oh God, and cry out to you, oh God, for wisdom before they make a decision, oh God. We pray, oh God, for our young people, oh God that you continue to bless them. Those who graduate, God, that you continue to take them forward, oh God. Those, oh God, that need, oh God, you would just surround them with your heads of protection, oh God. In the name of Christ Jesus, Father God. We pray for our family. We pray for our marriages, oh God. That you will have your way, oh God. That, Lord God, that marriages will bless you and glorify you, oh God. That we'll be living examples of who you are, oh God. In the name of Jesus, Father God. And Lord God, we thank you, oh God. We thank you for all that you would do this day. This day, oh God. We thank you that, God, that you have heard us, oh God. That, Lord, that you are open, oh God. Your arms are open to us, oh God. And Father, now we say, bless you. Bless you today, oh God. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Hallelujah! Come on, let's worship Him. Someone needs to know today that our God will make a way for them. He'll make a way out of no way. He is our provider, He's our redeemer, He's our lover and our friend. And I want this song to encourage you, but I challenge you to worship, hallelujah, trusting Him that He will make a way. You are We take some time, man. miracle worker hey way make miracle worker Waymaker. make miracle worker Waymaker. make miracle worker you say hey miracle, miracle worker work. yeah. Worship of God from God.
2: Bless the Lord to be in his house today. And we're so grateful that you're praying for us, that the word will come forth today and that lives will be touched and changed. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. We do want to acknowledge uh, the anniversary of the Lions' 18 years. Uh, we love you. And we're so grateful that you have allowed us to be a part of what you are allowing the Lord to do in your life. We do invite you today to join us as we continue our series of messages entitled Level Up, Level Up in Your Marriage. And today we're going to be looking at a verse in First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. And I invite you to turn your attention to your copy of the Word of God, and in reverence to God's Word, would you stand as the Word of God is read? Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Let us pray. Father, in the matchless name of Christ, we bow before you. It is so good to know that when we lift up our voices in humble adoration for who you are, You are never too busy to not only hear us, but but to answer when we cry. Father, you said in your word, when the righteous cry out, you hear us and deliver us from all of our troubles. And so, Heavenly Heavenly Father, our God, we do pray that today that you would have your way in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord praise him he's worthy husbands live with your wife according to understanding share with someone this is going to be a powerful word from this portion of the scriptures. And we are aware that we are having some technical difficulties that's not going to be a hindrance to us. We do have the podcast that will be made available to you so and Facebook. So pray for us as we do make our way through this passage. If you were to ask me if I love my four children, my answer would be, yes, I do now. (laughs) Now, the reason I say I love them now is because I did not always love them, even though I thought I did. Let me explain, let me explain why I say that. I love my children based on the perception and the image that I had created of them in my mind. I didn't love them based on the way they really were. As long as they were who I believed they were in my mind, I loved them. What exposed my lack of genuine love for them based on informed knowledge was individual life experiences with all four of my children. I remember a teacher from the Creative World uh, Center at Christian Stronghold. It's a preschool. Our youngest a child was attending, and the teacher said to me, your son is involved in behaviors that are unacceptable, and they need to be addressed. And when the teacher told me what our son was doing, I basically said to her, There is absolutely no way that our son is doing what you are accusing him of. So she said, well, instead of leaving when you drop him off tomorrow, I want you to look through a one-sided mirror where you could see from your side inside, but those on the inside couldn't see that you were looking at them. And so as I watched our youngest son perform, I was in total shock and embarrassment that what the teacher had described about his behavior was in fact what this perfect image of a son was doing that we had never taught him But he was actually doing what was a part of who he really is. I love my children because they appeared to be what I wanted them to be. And they played the role. When they were in my presence, what they knew and learned that I expected, that's what they did. But when they weren't around us, they behaved based on who they really were. Now, after clashing with my imperfect children at different times, all four, I have to agree or admit that I felt like a failure as a parent and sometimes betrayed. Now, while I was having a pity party one day, I was really, really playing the violin for myself i was really feeling bad about my parenting and how could this be and why are my children making these horrible decisions why are they doing this to us the voice of the lord through the holy spirit spoke to me and the question that was asked by the holy spirit is do you really love your children Or do you love them based on the image that you have created in your own mind? And once I realized that I really only loved my children because of the the ideal perfectionistic image that I created for them, I admitted to the Lord that I didn't love them based on who they really were because I never allowed them to be themselves long enough to know them for who they really were. This meant that I had to call every one of those children, all four of them. Not when everything was worked out between us. It was still conflict. There were still things I didn't agree with. And I had to say to each one of them at different times in their life, when there was broken fellowship, I had to say, based on what I had grown to understand about true unconditional love, even for your own children, I was able to say to each one of them, I love you on your worst day and nothing that you can ever do will change my love for you. Unless you know someone for who they really are, you cannot really love them or have an intimate relationship with them. So when the Apostle Peter says to husbands, he says, Husband, likewise, dwell with them, with your wife, with understanding, giving honor to your wife as a weaker vessel and being heirs together in the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. He is challenging husbands to love their wives based on understanding them for who they really are. He's saying to know her is to really love her. You cannot really love your wife unless you know her. Live with her according to understanding Now, brothers, since we are married to persons that have been created in the image and likeness of God, just as we are, while at the same time they are plagued with the Adamic sin nature, we have to learn how to live with someone who has the presence of God living in them, while at the same time. Struggling just as we are with sin nature, we have to learn to live with them according to understanding. When we are committed to knowing our wives based on God's agenda rather than our own, we can genuinely love them. God has not called us as husbands to create wives, our wives in our own image, but to allow him to reveal the image that he's already created in them as you are part of the process of developing them into all that God has planned in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7 husbands are given three instructions and the first is you need to understand your wife to love her that's the first instruction in order to love that woman that God has given you you must understand her. It's interesting that the Lord doesn't say you must know her. I know, no, you don't. No, you don't even know yourself. We don't know ourselves. And so when the Bible talks about loving our wives, it means loving them based on understanding them or being understandable of them. And so that's the first instruction. The second instruction that you can release your wife to her destiny when you understand her. There's some potential. There's a call and a destiny on your wife, but she can't be fully released to it unless you have come to a place where you are committed to understanding her. And so the second instruction is you can release your wife to her destiny when you understand her. And finally, you will see at the end of verse 7, you can forfeit God's your access, you can forfeit your access to God, God's blessings by mistreating your wife. When you mistreat your wife, you're actually shutting off your blessings from God. You need to understand your wife in order to, to, to love her. You need to understand your wife in order to love her. Now there are four things that I want you to consider in the verse as we're going through. How we can love our wives based on what God has clearly set forth in the scriptures. The first thing is you need to understand what the word husband means. The, in the old English, the word husband literally was rendered house band, house band. And we, in our current uh, colloquialism, we, 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 the same word that was translated as house band, we render it as husband. And a house man was a, a husband who was supposed to be a, a strength of protection around his home. A husband is a person who is a source of strength around his home. Now, when a man thinks of strength in terms of being available to those who are under his covering... Our first thought often goes to protection, physical protection, alarm systems, uh, fist fighting, uh, having weapons in our home, and, and, and being able to overpower someone if our wife is, is attacked. But when God talks about a husband being a house bed, a source of strength around his home, his priority is not physical protection, but spiritual protection. In fact, the scripture reminds us, and we know this quite well, the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. What is the armor of God? The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not worldly, not fleshly, but they pull down strongholds, every imagination that rises up against the authority of God. And so a husband, a a husband who provides a, a, a security and strength for his home, first and foremost is a spiritual, a spiritual source of protection for his home, for his home, for his home. Now, some of us are aware of, uh, and, and you, you might have been I wasn't always a, I was a Star yeah, Star uh, Trek fan but one of the things that was too of star, of, of, of star Trek is that the Enterprise was constantly coming under enemy attack but even though the enemies were constantly trying to destroy the Starship Enterprise those who lived inside of its walls never feared and the reason they could sleep at night is because there was a house band. There was a source of strength around the starship Enterprise. And it was an invisible defensive shield. And so when the enemy attacked, the weapons that they used would always be repelled because the invisible shield. I want you to understand when you are being a houseman, a source of strength, protecting your home spiritually. You don't have to worry about the enemy getting a foothold in your family. You don't have to worry about your wife uh, uh, drifting away spiritually because you've got an invisible force field called the Holy Spirit that is your protecting guide. When you under, when you rep, when you when you recognize. That as a husband you really are a house band, but there's a second word that is required for us to understand our wives in order to love them. Is the word he says, "likewise, likewise." That is a comparative adjective that takes us back to the beginning of chapter three, where he says. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband. Likewise, what is the comparison? What do we need to model or follow as an example? Well, the example that the wives are told to follow, and now husbands in verse 7, is revealed to us in chapter 3, verses 21 through 25, where the Lord says for husbands and wives and Christians in general to do this, to practice this model, Come under the authority of divinely ordained leadership. Now, the interesting thing about this, likewise, as it relates to husbands and wives, he gives two realms or levels of leadership. One, he says, come under the ordained authority of human governmental rulers. And then the second level of authority, he says, come under the authority of your employers where you are under their authority in the workplace. Now what' what's really interesting about this is the order that God uh, aligns his hierarchy of uh, of submission. Uh, he does, he starts with come under the authority of government and the work and your employer in the workplace. He actually saying to husbands and wives, before you can come under authority in the house, you need to learn how to come under authority before you get married outside of the house. Because if a woman or a man can't come under the authority that God has ordained before they get married, guess what? It's going to be a problem when they finally say, I do. Well, I'm going to follow when I get married. I'm going to be a good leader when I get married. No, no, no. You don't become a good leader and a good follower after you say, I do. You demonstrate it by coming under. By The Bible says, likewise, continue in marriage what you've already been doing while you were single. Likewise, come under the authority. You also need to understand the phrase, the phrase "dwell with what it means." The phrase "dwell with in" is, is a fascinating a phrase in the Greek. It is the same word that is used in John chapter five verse seven where Jesus uses the word abide instead of dwell. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done unto you. And if you can substitute the word dwell, if you dwell in me and my words dwell in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done. The word to dwell with has nothing to do with, in marriage, living at the same address, sleeping in the same bed, having mandatory sex, splitting the mortgage payments. It doesn't mean that you simply coexist and tolerate the other person. The word dwell or abide means to experience life together on the deepest, most fulfilling and intimate level. Dwell with means to experience life together on the deepest and most fulfilling intimate level. It speaks of sustained closeness. Jesus was saying to his disciples, if you stay close to me, Not only can you ask what you will, the reason it's going to be given to you is because you've been so close to me, you know what I'll say yes to. And whatever I'm going to say yes to, always agree with what I've already established in my word. Because we are confident that if we ask anything according to his will, that is what he will do. And so when a husband is dwelling with his wife according to understanding, that means that you had a sustained Closeness, where you are experienced on the deepest level of fulfillment, intimacy with that woman you call your wife. Some years ago, my family traveled to Niagara Falls. It was during the winter. You don't want to go to Niagara Falls during the winter. I made reservations at the Days Inn. We get there on the Canadian side, and all the rooms are booked. We have a room. But all the other rooms in, in the day's end are filled. So we get in the room, we start unpacking our bags, and the heat doesn't work. Now, now, now let, understand, <laughs> Niagara Falls has a different kind of cold. So now I'm, I'm, I'm upset. So I called the manager and I said, the heat isn't working in the building, in our room. I don't know about the rest of the building. Well, as for me and my house, we ain't staying in a cold room. So I'm waiting for the manager to kind of go back and forth with me. He said, "Oh, no problem, Mr. Benson. We 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 will take care of this. We're going to upgrade you. We're going to move you out of the, to, out of the Days end to the brand new hotel adjacent to this one that has 15 floors. Just pack your things and move to the next building." And so I'm 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 reluctantly. We already unpacked and everything, so we, we pack and we move over to the next building and they they send us all the way up to the 15th floor. Now I'm about to really act like I'm from North Philadelphia. So before I could put my mad face on, my ugly face on, he opens the door and he said, by the way, Mr. Benson, we just wanted to upgrade you. And what he upgraded us to is a penthouse suite. Oh, Lord. It had a real fireplace. You could look out the window and see all of the Niagara Falls River, the entire high, the high uh, the skyline of Niagara Falls, Canada side. Every room had a flat screen. Everybody had their own room. Thank you, Jesus. And so I went from being in a three-star days in that had no heat with my family to an upgraded penthouse suite in the same hotel of, of hundreds of visitors, but we were able to go to a deeper and greater and a better experience because we got upgraded. I want you to know when you dwell with your wife, in intimacy, when you dwell with her in closeness, when you are experiencing the time of fulfillment that the Lord has allowed for us to have in marriage, you're going to have an upgrade. You ain't going to need to have no days in experience. The Lord is going to put you in a sweet house, contact with your wife in the marriage that he has allowed for you. How many you want an upgrade? How many you want to get closer to your wife than you really are, that you already are? Well, one of the ways that that's going to happen, if you commit... To, un- to knowing her or understanding her in a way that you're dwelling with her, that you are experiencing a quality of life with your wife that only you and her can fully appreciate being upgraded to. I don't know about you, but I want to be upgraded in my marriage. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay on the lower floor. I don't know about you, but I want to see broader horizons. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. I want you to understand something, that marriage should be a little taste of heaven on earth. But the only way I'm going to get a glimpse of heaven while hell is breaking out on earth is I'm going to have to dwell, I'm going to have to get closer and maintain a commitment that, Lord, whatever it takes, for me to do what it is required to be what I'm supposed to be, to love the woman that you gave me as a husband, as the husband, Amen. I'm willing to do it. But here's the fourth thing you need some clarity about what it means to understand your wife, your Ganaika, your wife in the Greek. Here's what the word understand means. It really should be rendered as a part of understanding your wife because we ain't going to ever understand (laughs) by and by when the morning comes. (laughs) When we in glory, then we'll have some clarity, but we ain't going to ever fully understand. But the word means to learn through observation over time as a result of spending meaningful time together. Living or dwelling with your wife, according to understanding, is based on observation over time that requires not just quantity of time, but quality time. Giving your wife your eye contact, holding her hand, not allowing anything to disrupt that personal one-on-one time. That's how you come to be understanding of your spouse. Every husband needs to become an avid student of his wife. You need to understand, be understanding of her personality, her likes, her dislikes, her needs, her strengths. What are your wife's weaknesses? Her fears, her hopes, her dreams. What is her vision? for her life? Do you you have an understanding based on observations from spending quality time over an extended time? The word understanding used here is not for husbands to become psychoanalysts of their wives. God didn't call you to be your wife's counselor. Uh, She's not a client to be psychoanalyzed. She's not a problem that you need to solve. (laughs) And she's not a pet to be trained. She's not your child that needs to be told what to do and how to think. What God instructs us as husbands to do is to be understanding, empathetic, considerate, even when we don't fully get it. Know your wife or understand her well. A man named Roy... Reno, had a very unusual job in Los Angeles. He cleaned sewers. He was a part of a a crew in Los Angeles that cleaned 650 miles of sewer. He said his job was like working in a gigantic, humongous toilet. He said every day he would start his new job, he had to literally psych himself up because of what he was going to smell and what he was going to see. He just had a hard time working through his responsibilities of 650 miles of waste. And then one day he said as he was in the sewer working, he stumbled across a a, a topaz, a two-ounce carrot topaz bracelet. And then he began to think of his job differently instead of focusing on the sewage that needed to be cleaned. He would go to work looking for jewelry. He would go to work looking for diamonds. And, 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 and every so often he would find very expensive jewelry and diamonds and all kinds of trinkets, and, and actually amassed master quite a fortune from working in the sewage and, and working in areas where nobody in their right mind would ever want to work. But but he felt that this was what he was supposed to do. Husband, I want you to understand that your wife's mind is not sewage but in order to cert, in order to get out of her mind what God has placed there in terms of her purpose, you got to get past all of the detail. You know she's going to tell you the color of the leaves and how it fell from the tree and how the wind blew through it and, and when the wind blew through it bounced on the ground and when it bounced on the ground someone almost stepped on it and when they missed stepping on it the the bus drove by and blew it up back in the tree and so by the time she gets from all of her details you've already you know you don't calculate and com- compute what you're going to say before she said it you knew ahead of time and then you often miss what she really was trying to say because you get caught up in the sewage of it but instead, when I'm living with her according to understanding, as she's talking, I'm not focusing on the details and the things that seem to be a little overboard. I don't need to get all that. Just get to the point. Well, if you just wait till you gets to the point, you might find some diamonds in there. You might find some rubies up in there. You might get some pearls up in there. You might learn something about yourself up in there. You might learn. Greater. Ways to love her according to God's word. Here's a second principle by way of instruction. You can release your wife to her destiny when you understand her. The scripture says give honor to your wife. The word honor means to grant or to give something that is deserved, that is due. It means to give value or to recognize, to affirm your wife, to encourage her, to treat what she has to say and what is important to her as valuable. Aside from what she does and what she says, it says, I give honor to your wife, not because of what she does, But because of who she is, created in the image and the likeness of God, if she never did another thing, she's valuable. If she never said another word, she's significant. Give honor, recognize that God has created her fearfully and wonderfully. Honor her as the weaker vessel. That word weaker vessel literally means a delicate instrument a feminine one. The weaker vessel refers to something that is rare and of high quality. Treat your wife like she's a delicate flower, a delicate instrument, something that is precious and fragile, yet strong. Treat her like she's an expensive object but more important and more accurately, an expensive gift that God has entrusted you. Treat her like the weaker vessel physically by standing up for her. Don't allow her to be disrespected. Treat her equally as an heir to the kingdom. The Bible says that we are both heirs to Christ. Your wife has just as many gifts as you do. She has the same opportunity for call on her life as you do and gifting and talent as we do. Don't treat your wife like she's subservient or inferior or somehow less important to the body of Christ than you are. Treat her right emotionally. Watch how you speak to her and what you say to others about her. You often hear what your wife says, not what you said. It's how you said it, and I'm telling you, okay. all right, all right, let's try this again. So when I am treating my wife as a delicate instrument, as something that is precious and valuable and fragile in the sense that it, it is so rare that you dare not drop it, you dare not injure it, I'm going to be concerned about her emotionally and physically and spiritually. I'm going to treat her as a joint heir of Jesus Christ. I remember reading a story about a famous violinist. He was one of the greatest violins in the world. At the time that he played, he traveled the world. He made millions of dollars, but he was such a a, a philanthropist and, and he had a heart of giving that he gave most of his fortune away. And as he was preparing to retire, he came across a very rare and delicate violin that there was only one in the world just like that violin and he decided that he wanted to purchase it because of the rareness and the delicateness of it and and then he realized he didn't have the money to buy it. So he began to raise the money. When he raised enough money to buy it, he went back to the person who owned it, and he attempted to purchase it, and the person had already sold it to a collector. And so he went and found the collector, and the collector said, no, this is precious to me, and it's going to be on the top shelf for everybody to come into my house. And when they see it, they'll know I own the only violin, the only rare version of this particular instrument, and I'm, I only want to take it down. It's so delicate. I don't want to sell it. I'm sorry. You can't offer me enough money to buy it. And so the virtuotious uh, violinist, before he, he left, he said, well, I, I'm going to leave. I can't persuade you. But would you just allow me to play it one time, just one time before you, before you designated to eternal silence? And then the, the famous violinist got the violin, the rare violin, and he began to play it, and the music filled the house, and it mean, it literally brought the, the collector to tears. And after hearing the, the violinist play, he said, there's no way I can silence this. I, I, I'm not going to put it on the shelf. This was never created to be hidden. This was never created to be silent. You can have it. In fact, you don't even have to pay, pay for it. Just take it and use it to bless everyone When you are honoring your wife, you understand God didn't give you her, give, you, give her to you to silence her, to, to keep her in the back, to keep her held down, to prevent her from becoming everything that she could be. No, take that violin and play it. Take that violin and allow it to become everything that God has placed. There's music in your wife. There's gifting in her. There's talent in her. There's vision that God has impregnated her with, and your job is to get that delicacy to produce everything that God intended for it to be. Here's a, first, a third instruction. You can forfeit access to God's blessing by mistreating the delicate instrument that God has placed under your care to understand, to submit to by loving her as, a, as Christ loved the church, by being a house band, a source of strength around the home. Here's what the scripture says. Husbands, when you mistreat your wife, your prayers will be hindered. (laughs) Your prayers will be hindered. Now, you may not think that that's a big deal, but there's a connection always between a husband's relationship to his wife and God. If there's something that you have done or are not doing that is hindering the health of your marriage, God's got a problem with you. You can't be out of fellowship with your wife because of something that you have done or not doing and expect God to be cool with that. Expect yourself. God said, if you walk in the light as I am in the light, you'll have fellowship one with another. Husbands is our job as house bands to always try to reestablish and to keep fellowship between our wife and ourselves as God intended it. When stuff's not right with you and your wife, stuff's not right with you and God. And you need to always understand that your first ministry is not to your job, not to your children, not to the church. Your first ministry is to your wife. It's to your wife. Now, one of the most powerful passages in the scripture helps us to understand what happens when a man isn't praying in a way that he has access to all of the authority of heaven. In Exodus chapter 17, verses 11 and 12, Moses is on the mountain and he has his rod, his staff that he has led the people of Israel out of Egypt, the staff that God told him to lift up when the Red Sea was parted, the staff he lifted up when the ten plagues fell upon the nation of Israel. And so he's lifting up his staff on the mountain, and he's calling out to God on behalf of the nation of Israel. Now, in the valley below the mountain, Joshua and the soldiers are fighting the Amalekites. And as long as Moses' his hands are lifted up and he's crying out to God, what's happening up on the mountain has direct impact on what's going on in the valley. His hands lifted towards God in prayer meant that there would be victory in the valley. But when his hands began weak and he began tired, the, the, when, when his hands got lowered, the prayer that was, was being sent up was not now no longer going up. And so the nation of Israel started to be defeated. But thank God for an Aaron and a Her. They recognize that there's a correlation between a man's prayer life and his home life, a man's prayer life and his work life, a man's prayer life and his church life. If you're praying and you have access to heaven, the glory and the blessings of heaven will fall down. I don't care if it's the Amalekites. I don't care if if it's the Ku Klux Klan. I don't care whatever the obstacle is. If you're praying and your hands are lifted up because you're treating your wife right. God. God will bless you. God will bless you when you are treating your wife according to understanding, when you're dwelling with her, when you're doing what God says, likewise, come under authority based on the established hierarchy of leadership that I've established for the family. Husbands, when you are honoring your wife as your equal, when you're treating her as a weaker vessel, not as an inferior vessel, not as someone who's insignificant, but treating her as a delicate flower, a precious jewel. A famous C- a Christian author tells the story of one day he was walking through a cemetery in Europe when he came across the tombstone of a woman named Grace Luella Smith, there was no date of birth, no date indicating when this woman had died. There were no facts on her tombstone about her, nothing about her interests. Only the two names of her husband were listed above this woman, Grace Smith. But there was an epitaph, an inscription that read, sleeps but never rested loved, but she was never loved, tried to please, but please not, died as she lived alone. When I heard that, I thought about the Old Testament woman who understood what it, mean, what it meant to try your hardest, but your best was never enough. I'm talking about Leah's wives and women who are married, and you're trying to do your best to be the best wife, the best mother, uh, the best companion. But no matter what Leah did, whenever she is described, her definition was determined by men, the words of men. The first thing you read about her is about her appearance. The Bible says that she had weak eyes. And that's a euphemism for, according to man-made standards, Leah wasn't pretty. Not only was a woman then and even now judged by how she looks, but she also was judged by how she compared with other women. The Bible says while Leah's eyes were weak, Rachel was fine and well-built. And what I discover is that women, because of definitions that they have accepted and are trying to live by, that God never gave them as a requirement for who they are and what they should be, they, I, they find themselves competing against other women for the attention of men. She was weak-eyed, but Rachel was pretty. Not only was she compared by appearance, but she was also compared... Because of her age, the scripture says she was the oldest sister. And you know it's a problem when you get old, ladies. A brother can divorce you today and marry somebody 20 years younger than him, and it ain't no problem. You even look at somebody younger than you and something wrong with you, amen? So, so she, was, she was judged and described by her age. Even her father Laban, when when he realized that she was of age and she probably wouldn't get married because she wasn't very attractive, he treated her like property rather than a person. He gave his daughter Leah to a man that didn't even love her or want her. You know how it was back in the day, marry a man with a good job. He don't have to love you, he don't have to want you. And he can do whatever he wants to, but stay with them because you need a husband. And then when she married Jacob, and he realized that a Mickey had been put in his drink, the Bible says he hated her. He didn't love her. She was in a, married to a man who mistreated her. All she—he didn't have any problems with having sex with her. She laid down and had seven babies for him. And, and she thought, with each child, maybe he'll love me now. Maybe he'll appreciate me now. Maybe I'll get honored now. Maybe he'll respect me now if I if I have children for him and take care of them, change their diet and wipe their noses and feed feed them their food and and be available to him at his every beck and call. But none of that was good enough for Leah to ever have the love of her husband because he didn't know her nor did he care to know her because to know your wife is to love her. Even her sister Rachel viewed Leah as an enemy, as a competitor. The Bible says that Rachel was jealous of Leah, how many women can't get along because they're jealous of each other in competition with the other, each other? Where did that come from? I want you to know when you understand who you are in
0: the Lord,
2: you're gonna see your sister ain't your enemy. She's not your competition. Even in death, before she died, here's the blessed thing. God allowed Leah, the one who was unattractive, the one who was too old, the one who didn't look as good as other women, the one who was treated like property rather than a person, God allowed her to give birth to the descend- the person that the Messiah would be a descendant of. She gave birth to Judah. <laughs> Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah, from Leah, the ugly one, Leah, the old one, Leah, the one that daddy didn't even care about enough to keep her from being abused. But from an earthly perspective, it gets even worse. When you come to Genesis chapter 49, verses 29 through 31, as we come to a close, Jacob is dying. He says, I'm about to die. Joseph, here's where I want you to bury me. Abraham purchased a plot of land for our ancestors to die. The place where he purchased, he is buried, and he buried his wife, Sarah. The place where Abraham is buried, where he buried his wife, Sarah. Isaac, my father, is buried where he buried his wife, Rebecca. And then he says, I buried Leah. He doesn't even refer to her as his wife. He simply says, I buried her. I want you to know that even in death, she didn't get the respect. She died not being loved. Husbands. Don't let that wife be let that be your wife's experience that she's trying to be the best that she thinks you need her to be. Trying to be what mothers define themselves by, by the children, by being a mother, by being a good homekeeper. And if I don't have a husband or a man or, or, or someone uh, in my life, uh, I, I don't have the same value as a woman who does. Husbands, I want you to understand that God has entrusted that woman to you not just to be a piece of property or someone to raise your children as the mother of your children. Yes, she's all of that, but she's far more than that. She is in the image and likeness of God. She has a voice to be heard. She has gifts and intelligence that you must respond to. Don't restrain your wife in in an effort to control her and keep her in the image that you're forming for her. Release her to God's destiny for her life. She's more than eye candy, more than a baby maker. She has dreams and treasures buried in her, gifts that wait to be discovered. To know her is to love her. Are you willing, as a husband, to commit yourself to be a house band, to follow the example of submission in the role that God has given you, to dwell with her according to understanding by honoring her so that your prayers will not be hindered? Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we do bow. Lord, I lift up every wife today. Yea, Lord, I lift up every woman whose voice has been silenced, who has been left out of the conversation, whose input has not been considered on equal ground every woman that has felt that she can't express herself based on her her gifting, her education, her skills, her experience. Father God, I pray that they would not die the death of Aaliyah. Father, I pray that the men that you have brought into their lives would recognize that you have not called us to control our wives but to help, this, help them to discover everything that you have already placed in them. God, may we never hinder the call of God on our wives' lives as long as it doesn't violate your word. Father, may we come to a place in our marriages where we completely recognize that our wives our precious delicate intricate jewels that you've given to us to handle with care Father we thank you and we bless you for this in Christ's name amen amen praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord being at the foot of the cross we're all the same Father I pray that we would each as those who are hearing my word today would recognize how significant we were and are to you you loved us so much that you allowed your son to come to earth leaving heaven's glory to seek us out while we were running and trying to find ourselves. I want you to know if you are a wife or just a woman in prayer for a husband or God has called you to singleness, may you seek your worth in him. may you accept the proof of that demonstration because while you were yet in your sins, God manifested his love by sending his son to die for us. And the Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. If you're hearing my voice today, Would you respond to the invitation as Christ is knocking on the door of your heart? He is not going to force his way in. You must say, Lord, I'm a sinner. My sin has separated me from you. I believe that you died for me and were buried. And you conquered the grave and death when you rose again on the third day. And you ascended into heaven, and right now you are seated at the right hand of the Father praying for me. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. If that is what you desire to do right now. Boy, girl, woman, man, would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he is both God and man. And he came and he took my sins when he died on the cross as a payment In full, I receive Jesus right now as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping your promise that whoever would call on you, you would save from the power, the penalty, the guilt, and yes, Lord, one day from the very presence of sin. Father, we thank you and we bless you. Father, if this has expressed the desire of a heart today, I pray that they would call our church and that someone would be able to just walk through the plan of salvation with them. Father, I pray for those who are looking for a church home. And this is the family that you're calling them to unite with. May they make that same call and we can assist them with what they need. Finally, Lord, I pray for everyone who has drifted away from you. Uh, During the pandemic, they found themselves, oh God, falling into sin. But the word of God has touched their hearts today, and they desire to return. Father, I pray right now that they would say yes, and that they would return. And as they are making that decision, may they understand that every angel in heaven is rejoicing. That he who was once astray has now returned. It's party time.